got a story, I've got a story, we've got a story. I'm Brad McEwen, and I'm here to tell that story. This is Beyond the Bank. When it comes to dedication and commitment to their craft, there's few folks around here that can match respected area surgeon and educator, Dr. Doug Patton. Even as he's reached the age when most folks start winding down their life's work and start gazing into a more relaxed future, it's clear that Dr. Patton still has work to do, despite having already given so much to his profession and community. For more than a decade, Dr. Patton, in addition to his work as a surgeon, was a fixture at Albany-based Phoebe Putney Memorial Hospital slash Phoebe Putney Health Systems, first as Senior Vice President of Medical Affairs at the hospital, and finally as Chief Medical Officer of the entire health system before transitioning into a broader role at the state level as Chief Medical Officer of the Georgia Hospital Association. After three years, though, it was clear Doug had more to give, not only to his profession, but also to the broader Southwest Georgia community he's long cherished. That's why in 2017, when he likely could have started enjoying retirement, Dr. Patton returned to Albany to assume his current role as Associate Dean of the Southwest Campus of the Medical College of Georgia at Augusta University. And while that's certainly an impressive title, it wasn't money or prestige that prompted that move, but rather his earnest desire to give of his time and talents for the betterment of others. Quite simply, it doesn't take long when hanging with Dr. Patton to see how passionate he is about his mission to instill trust in those he serves while striving to pass on his knowledge and wisdom to the next generation of physicians and thus create a better world for us all. Good morning, Dr. Patton. It's a pleasure to have you join me today. Good morning, Brad. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me into the conversation. I have to say, I'm really excited about this particular interview. Yours is a well-respected name. I've heard a lot over the years, but other than a few passing encounters, we've never really had a chance to chat. So when uh, Dr. Adam Jones suggested that we connect, I jumped at the opportunity. So again, thank you for that. Now, since this is your first interview with me, I'll go ahead and tell you, I don't really have a formal agenda, uh, really interested in just getting to know you a bit, where you're from, your thoughts on healthcare as seen through the lens of education, and hopefully a bit about the passion you have for Southwest Georgia and the people who call it home. Is that agreeable to you? I think we could talk on that for hours. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, let's jump right in. Associate Dean of MCG South Campus. Tell me a little bit about that. So it goes back actually to 2004 when I was uh, practicing general surgery over in Cordell, not far from here. Uh, loved being a part of that community, loved what I was doing. But an opportunity came up to work with Phoebe as one of the lead administrators in a chief medical officer role. I was uh, vacillating back and forth, um, trying to decide whether I was going to leave something I truly loved in a place I truly loved to do something completely different. And I got a phone call about six weeks or eight weeks into the conversation. And they shared with me that they had just entered into an an agreement to partner with the Medical College of Georgia to open their very first regional campus here in Albany and that Phoebe was going to be the lead host for that. Um, as the details of that unfolded, it became uh, sort of the uh, the last pebble on the scale, if you will, to tilt me in the direction of, of again, making the transition. Dr. Pinnell, my partner in Cordell, and I had always been involved in medical education. We'd had students, um, whether they were medical students, uh, nurse practitioner students, PA students, and others, um, 
we had had that as part of our practice. So education was important to us even then. But this opportunity to be a part of something that we actually built a new campus in partnership with the Medical College of Georgia was just irresistible. The regional campus is one of four regional campuses. The main campus for MCG is in Augusta, as it has been since 1828. And um, the regional campuses serve two functions, the first of which is to uh, provide clinical experiences for medical students outside of an academic medical center. Okay. So they're working with uh, actively practicing community-based physicians who just love to teach. They're not I mean, they're part of the faculty, but they're not part of academia, if you will. They're actively practicing physicians, just like Dr. Jones, who bring students in because they want to teach and they want to give students the best possible experience. So we have a multitude of specialties. All the core specialties are covered here. And this has been replicated in the northwest part of the state, up in Rome and now Dalton, uh, and on the southeast part of the state in Savannah and Brunswick, and some of the smaller communities surrounding each of those areas. We also have a partnership campus uh, with the University of Georgia there in Athens. And it's a little bit different because it's actually all four years. Gotcha. In our world, uh, we get them during their clerkship year and their enrichment year, which is what we used to refer to as third and fourth years. Gotcha. Okay. All right. And and I'm glad you mentioned that, doctor, because I I remember when that campus sort of originated there and uh, I did not realize, though, that it was the first one that they had done like that. So sort of setting the model that had to have been appealing to be a part of as well, kind of building something new and, and interesting that hadn't been there before. That's right. And it was and it was exciting. And I was not a formal part of MCG at the time, but, I, you know, was uh, sort of Phoebe's hands and feet in the process to help get it built. Um, my own journey um, I transitioned from Phoebe. Um, about 10 years later to the State Hospital Association to do uh, patient safety and quality work all around the state with hospitals and, <clears throat> excuse me, and medical staff members all across the state. Um, and then the campus dean who was here at that time uh, decided to retire. And so it created an opportunity for me to come back and be a part of something that I was involved with from from the very beginning. And uh, to actually uh, dive in a little bit deeper, Um, the interesting thing is that all all three of those jobs, the job at Phoebe, the job with the hospital association and the job back here with MCG, um, I had no formal training for any of those. So I was jumping into uh, dark waters and hoping um, that I could swim. So, (laughs) you know, that's always fascinating to me because my dad had a similar circumstance and he had a career. He eventually got into teaching and, and being an educator and realized he really had a passion for that beyond what he even understood that he had in himself. Um, it's pretty obvious just from other people that I've encountered and just from the excitement that comes out of that campus and the doctors that I've interacted with that have come through there, uh, that you have a real passion for that. I, I know you were always, in, you said you were interested in education, but talk to me a little bit about the transition of not really being the practicer anymore into that new role and how that affected you? So, you know, all my life I've been the beneficiary of uh, people who had gone ahead of me, um, maybe in a discipline that I was pursuing, maybe not, oftentimes not, but who had um, cultivated in me a sense of 
appreciation for the fact that as we go along, we have others that are coming behind us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that, I mean, that I can go all the way back to scouting in middle school and high school and see where those people who influenced me at that time began to plant that sort of uh, notion in my mind that wherever we are in life, there are people who are coming behind us that uh, we should we should help mm-hmm. and we should help them find their way, whatever their path is. Gotcha. Um, I think back uh, to uh, my first days here in Albany, as a matter of fact, um, I met this guy who I think you know pretty well. His name's Luke Flat, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it, to this day, Luke Flat doesn't think that he did anything special to help me feel welcome and get me engaged in Albany. But he was such an inspiration to me and made me feel so welcome here. I mean, I literally think of him as somewhat of a, a community ambassador for mm-hmm. Albany even though we had very, very little formal mm-hmm. connection. Well, you know, his passion for community comes through loud and clear. So I'm glad others see what I've had the pleasure of, of seeing over my career. Yeah. And and he's, you know, he, he is a genuinely humble person. So anytime I mention that to him and say, thank you for him, he just looks at me like, oh, I don't know what I did, you know, whatever it was. Thank you. So. Which means he'll probably cringe when he hears this part of the podcast, yeah, but, uh, but that's okay. Yeah. We, we love Luke. So, um, as I was transitioning from active practice and realizing that, um, along with my partner, Bill Pinnell, we were, we were doing some really good work in Cordell and we were involved in the community, um, involved in the hospital affairs and the medical staff affairs, obviously. Um, but the opportunity to come to work at Phoebe, who had been a, the Phoebe and the medical staff here in Albany had been trusted partners for us when we needed to refer mm-hmm. someone out for specialty services that we couldn't provide in Albany. Phoebe was a great source for us. Dr. Phil Roberts mm-hmm. um, initiated the first cancer outreach clinic in Cordell. And, and so that made it easier for patients to get care there rather than to come up. Those kind of examples mm-hmm. created a, an affinity for Albany. Um, and to be a part of Phoebe and to realize that I, even though I didn't know what I was doing, the opportunity to take what I was doing in my office one patient at a time in a small community setting and expand that to a larger health system with a real regional reach, helping the health system to deliver the best possible care in the safest possible manner, but also helping the physicians in the region to have fulfillment in their careers, to have the resources that they needed in the hospital, to be supported in the community. Um, and to do the best I could to create some sense of unity of purpose for all of those. It's not, uh, it's kind of a lofty goal. Uh, doctors and hospitals <laughs> frequently find themselves at odds. We, we've got a, we've got a proud history of that here sure. uh, in Southwest Georgia, but we're not unique in that regard. No. But, you know, when you, when you think about um, community, you think about relationships and I, I one of your, um, one of your podcasts, uh, you had uh, Jenny and Judd Savell on here. Oh, yeah. And they exemplify to me what what good young leadership looks like, but they also spend a lot of time in that podcast talking about the need to even go outside your comfort zone and build relationships. Yep. And why that's so important. So I, I looked at that opportunity as a way to not necessarily to do the work, 
of patient care, but to enhance the efforts of those who were providing patient care, whether they were hospital employees, physicians in the community, whoever it was, it was part of that. So that was the I'm with you. That was the lofty ideal that transitioned over to a statewide opportunity with the hospital association. And my time at GHA was terrific. It allowed me to reestablish relationships all around the state with hospital leaders and physician leaders that, uh, During the 10 years I was at Phoebe, some of those relationships I had built before then actually kind of contracted because the work at Phoebe was so consuming in the best possible way. But I understand. So I was able to to reconnect with that. And then when the opportunity came up at MCG, um, one of my friends and colleagues inside MCG approached me about it. And I said, like, Catherine, you know, I'm honored and and this would be a great opportunity for me. I got zero academic experience. I don't know what a campus dean does. Um, I helped y'all find a couple of them along the way, and they seem to be doing a great job. And she says, we'll teach you what you need to know about the operation of a campus. The reason we want you is because you value relationships. And we need somebody in the southwest part of the state who can continue to build great relationships and keep this thing going. And it's like, well, if that's a if that's a, a skill set, I don't know how good I am at it, but I know it's important. So <laughs> we started with that, and um, you know, I think uh, five years later, we've we've seen some improvements in some of the areas where we've um, strengthened the relationships with our hospitals and physicians. You know, uh, share a little bit of that for our our listeners, Doctor Patton. Let them know kind of what the that campus has been able to produce over the time you've been there, and some of the. Di- the really direct impact that's had on the residents here. So, um, you know, we just, just sort of the framework for how our campus is structured. Our campus office is here in Albany. Um, so students who actually transition full-time from Augusta to the Southwest campus are based here in Albany. And, and most of their uh, clerkship experiences, whether it's pediatrics, medicine, OB, family, medicine, what surgery, most of those are, are here in Albany or very nearby, but we actually have campus locations where we have volunteer faculty, hospital affiliations that go along the Florida line, Valdosta, Thomasville, Bainbridge, all the way up the Chattahoochee through Columbus to LaGrange, back into Sonoya, back down to Macon, uh, America's Cordial, Tifton, um, in some places in between. Um, so the, the campus itself is kind of large. The, again, some of the students live here and their, their, their full-time experience is here. But we also have opportunities for typically somewhere between 180 and 200 Augusta-based students to come down here for a single rotation. It might be as little as three weeks uh, for some of the experiences, but it could be as long as six weeks for others. And invariably, um, these students come down and their, first of all, their clinical experience here is robust because it's them and one faculty member. They're Mm -hmm. not on a team with a bunch of residents and a bunch of other medical students where they're kind of part of a crowd they're one-on-one with somebody who's who's doing this just because they want to, and not you. because they're hired to teach. Uh, so it's very um, 
it's a very robust experience. They get to see a lot more patients that way as well because they're not divided up amongst sure. the team members. Sure. So the clinical experience is robust from that. But more importantly, um, since you know the way our population distribution is in Georgia, eighty percent of the people live in or near two eighty five. Mm-hmm. So the majority of our students come from that population base. Many of them have never been anywhere in Southwest Georgia other than maybe driving down 75 to go to Florida mm-hmm. or if they happen to go to Panama city and they didn't cross over to Alabama real, you know, up North. Uh-huh. Um, so this is their first experience really seeing what it's like to be in community down here. And we have, um, consistent feedback from students that whether it's here in Albany or Cordial or Americas or Colquitt in Miller County, tiny little Colquitt where they go and they work with four family medicine physicians who are there by themselves, no specialists, no nothing. These doctors run very busy clinics. They staff the emergency room. They do the surgical procedures that they can do there. They staff the nursing home. These same four doctors run a highly specialized long-term ventilator care unit. It's not, they're not really critically ill people, but they're people who cannot be weaned from a ventilator. So medical students come down here and they see this in a town that's as tiny as little bitty Colquitt, Georgia, mm-hmm. really known only for swamp gravy <laughs> and murals. Uh, <laughs> It's a good mural. <laughs> it is good. That got lots a lot of, of murals down yeah. there. That that silo is incredible. But but then their eyes are open and they realize, you know, gosh, you know, in an academic environment, sometimes people put down family medicine as something that's less than. But when they see those physicians there or they work with our physicians here at the family medicine residency at Phoebe, they see like this robust practice. Mm-hmm. And they begin to understand, gosh, you know, that really was kind of what I thought I wanted to do when I got into medical school, but they've about beat it out of me. Mm-hmm. But now I'm reconsidering. So I think the kind of exposure that we offer medical students outside of the academic environment actually helps them sort out, you know, sort of what their real calling was in the first place. And not everybody's going to be a family medicine doctor. Sure. We, don't, we don't need everybody to. But some who had pursued it had been talked out of it and get sort of re-energized to do that. And the same is true for, you know, internal medicine, um, even surgery, my specialty. Surgery as it's practiced in the smaller communities, and, and I include Albany in that, in that list. I, I, I tell people who don't know anything about Albany that it's the biggest little town I've ever lived in. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's big enough to have access to lots of resources. And we got a terrific health system here that is very surprising when people realize what we can offer here, but it's still a very small community feel. Um, the surgeons here, for example, that work with our medical students, you know, the students regularly tell me that, you know, the, the, the doctor might ask them to go to a community meeting with them. And on the way they stop at the grocery store and they can't get out of the grocery store because people keep coming up to the doctor <laughs> and thanking them for taking care of their aunt. Or as in my case, and you know, back in Cordill, people would occasionally show me their wound and how well it was healing oh, in the nice. grocery store. And I was like, can we at least get away from the produce section to do this part? You know, so um, anyhow, so, so they get to see what it's like to practice out here. And, and, and again, I, I hate to keep, 
you know, going back to what might be one of my platforms, but if I had a platform, it would be about relationships and the value of that. So they get to see what it's like for doctors to have real enduring relationships with patients, even if the care that they provided was for a single episode. I'm with you. Well, and I've got to think too, and and I like the, I like that notion a lot that where they're sort of sorting out and rediscovering that original passion, that original calling. Cause I got to think that most people who enter into this type of profession, it goes back to some experience that they saw where someone was helped, you know, that they witnessed as a kid. So yeah, that's, that's just really powerful. And I'm glad to see that, that it's having that kind of effect on these doctors. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong, it's also having a pretty good effect just on Albany and our exposure for some of these people. You mentioned a little bit of that, that some of these folks had never seen a place like Albany, but we've reaped the benefits of some of our rural Georgia in general has reaped the benefit of some of these students coming through. That's right. Um, by by us being here, it, it actually, I'll, I'll uh, do what my good friend Joel Warnick used to always say, I'll swim upstream here for a minute. And um, <laughs> I'll, by being here, we actually create an avenue for kids from this region mm-hmm. to cultivate their interest in medicine, to get counseling and guidance on how to get into medical school if that's what they want to do or other healthcare careers. I mean, we, we equal opportunity counseling available here because regardless of where your career destination is, we'll try and help you get there. But specifically getting into medical school, we can help um, identify kids who are in high school, college, who really want to go into medicine and help them get prepared for that, help get them some exposure to that, um, but also give them some guidance on um, making sure they understand enough about what it is, that this really is something you want to do. Understand the academic challenges and the necessity of being able to perform well. Um, and for those who can do that, we usher them on through. For those who can't, we provide support. And if they can't do it, we help them find something else. So that's the upstream piece of it. We get to help kids from the region find their their destination or at least the next stop on the journey Mm -hmm. once they're here um and after they graduate uh our goal is to continue to provide medical students from our campus that see for example the phoebe family medicine residency as a destination for training sure as we know if you if you do your residency in a location, the chances that you will practice somewhere in within, you know, 60, 70 miles of that are pretty high. Um, the, the Phoebe Family Medicine Residency has documented this since the very beginning, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and particularly now, uh, people are a little bit more mobile, so they may move around inside that region and they may leave the region um, because of mobility. But that's just a part of the environment. That said, when they graduate, the majority of them will stay here. So that's a that's a pipeline service thing. And the more we can create the connection between our MCG students, the Phoebe Family Medicine Residency, and even some of the newer residencies in the region, uh, like uh, in Moultrie, where they have family medicine and now they've added psychiatry. Um, okay. Archibald in Thomasville has just launched an internal medicine residency program, really? which uh, they're taking their first residents. They're, they're in orientation right now. I didn't they'll know start, that. They'll start the 1st of July. So we've been working with them to make sure that they've got the academic support they need um, to uh, to offer a, you know, a, a really robust residency. So we would like for our students to, to see those places, even the Columbus Family Medicine Residency. It's great. And, and, uh, 
St. Francis in Columbus has is, is just launched uh, an internal medicine residency program. They, they're in orientation now, starting their thing. So we count Columbus as part of our region. And, um, you know, we partner uh, with, well, we work collaboratively with Mercer. Um, okay. Partnership might be uh, uh, not the most accurate way to describe it, but we collaborate with them on educational opportunities. So, that again, our, our goals overlap. Yeah. We're both in the business of trying to produce the best possible physicians who have some connection to this area of the state who then, you know, wind up practicing here and help us with the shortage. Well, and, and I was hoping you would mention that as well. Uh, you know, having practiced around this area for a number of years, you know what life in Southwest Georgia is like for a lot of people. So talk to our listeners a little bit about just the need to expand access to medicine across our area. So, you know, we, we've gotten a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of attention paid to hospital closures, mm-hmm. uh, not just here in Georgia, but around the nation um, in s- small community and rural hospitals. And a, and a few urban things have, have, there's been some adjustments, some of those based on demographics, shifting demographics mm-hmm. and things like that. But in the rural communities, when a hospital closes, it's, it's, tough because it's very often a significant employer in one of these small communities. And so you lose, you lose people to other communities who um, no longer have an opportunity to work there. You also lose some access to services. The reality is, is that uh, as hospital based services have evolved over the last few decades, much of what hospitals offer is non-emergency stuff. You know, it's you you need to have a hip replacement, you need to have a knee replacement, you gotta have a biopsy for this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, consumers, uh, as, as as we like to celebrate in America, consumers have choice. So they choose to go other places sometimes. They don't mind driving an hour, hour and a half <clears throat> for some of those elective services. And when that happens, the economic um vitality of these rural hospitals suffers. But then there's nothing there when the emergencies arise and you don't have access to that. So we're trying to sort of remodel from the physician side and, and even including people like nurse practitioners and PAs. We're trying to remodel how we deliver care in these places, particularly where hospitals have closed. You look at Cuthbert mm-hmm. is the most recent one in our neighborhood and try and say, well, what what? could offer us access to basic healthcare services, excellence in primary care so that management of chronic disease states, hypertension, diabetes, heart disease, all these things can be continued. Um, But there's something there at nine o'clock at night when after the hospital's gone, Mm -hmm. because there's going to be a time when somebody gets sick or hurt or something like that, and you need something there even though they may need to be moved up the chain to to a, a hospital at some point. How do you do that? So, you know, we're, we're struggling with that. I, all that to say is that the more physicians we can get in these smaller communities who can think in a more forward way, who can understand the value, for example, of telemedicine so that I might not be an emergency medicine doctor, but if I'm supervising um, 
a walk-in clinic that stays open till 10 o'clock at night. And if it's a complex case, then I need a board-certified emergency medicine physician to help us resolve it. Let's use telemedicine and determine what's the next step for this yeah. patient. So looking at those kind of solutions, how do we how do we incorporate technology advancements with boots on the ground that can fill in for what people in these small communities really need? I I, I spend probably way too much time for someone who's not in public health looking at health outcomes, you know, in in population bases and things like that. But if you look at the uh, the health outcomes. Uh, our part of the state, and it's actually there's actually an arc. If you look at the the counties that have the worst health outcomes data, it actually it the arc swings across Southwest Georgia and goes up to the Middle Savannah River where Augusta is. So it goes across the south part of the state and then swings up to the um, to the border with South Carolina. And in those areas, those are some of the places where we see the most challenges in terms of recruiting physicians to come. Mm -hmm. That's where you started. And I just gave you 10 minutes of stuff of, of filler, but no, that's not, but that's good. Stuff. But it's helping um, young physicians understand, you know, where, where the needs are, how rewarding it can be to be a part of those solutions. And, getting them to just come and try it for a while. We've embarked on a new curriculum revision um, up in Augusta that augments that process to a certain extent because we've uh, we followed the lead of, of a number of medical schools. Um, we're not the first to do a, a compressed curriculum that allows um, some of our students to be able to graduate in three years instead of four. Our our brand of that um, identifies them during their first year. They say, I want to be in part of that accelerated track. But then that gets me to the point where I'm connected to one of these in need residencies gotcha. in these rural communities. So we have seven that we've identified, and that's the, the typical family medicine, internal medicine, pediatrics, obstetrics. Um, we've included internal medicine, general surgery, and psychiatry. Uh, not so much as their quote, especially general surgery, emergency medicine and psychiatry, not typically thought of as primary care specialties, but the need for them in these smaller communities is so incredibly, well, the need is big. Mm -hmm. Um, we've included those. So if they finish that program in three years, they go, go into a residency in Georgia and they commit to practicing in one of these underserved areas mm -hmm. where the need is really great. Um, they get a scholarship for medical school, nice. so which gets them out of school quicker. Their debt load is less when they finish. And so the financial constraints of someone finishing residency that says, I've got to go where the money is because look at this debt. We've at least removed that part of the burden. Gotcha. Um, and the destinations, we have plenty of destinations in West Georgia <laughs> where those young physicians can go. Um, but even outside of that, we because the students come down here um, and spend a good bit of their their clerkships and their internships, I mean their um, enrichment phase here, we we get people who come back. Um, my um, 
young associate, uh, Dr. Kush Desai, mm -hmm. uh, who was recently honored by the, the chamber yeah. with the 40 under 40 award overall. Um, he grew up in Columbus. He went to medical school at MCG. He did his uh, medical school years, his clerkship year here in Albany as part of the Southwest campus. Um, stayed in Augusta for his internal medicine training and is now back helping us run the campus. He's the clerkship director for a, a sort of a new form of, of clerkship that we've created here. And he's, you know, I mean, first of all, he he's half my age, so he's got twice as much energy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, really, really smart, like all these kids are who are going through medical school now. Um, and he's committed to the region. And that would never have happened if he hadn't been here during his medical school years. Oh, yeah. Well, and I thought it was really powerful that night that, that he shared what he shared about oh, yeah. his decision to, to that, that sense of community that you spoke right. of right out of the gate. Yep. Uh, that, that, that he was able to feel that yeah. very same thing. Yeah. That there was, a, there was a Doug Patton doing for him what a Luke Flat did for you, you know, welcoming. Yeah. Well, and um, he's even brought us a dentist. So <laughs> his fiance. Uh, so he's he's been a healthcare provider recruiter as well. Um, so you know, there's no there's no um, golden ticket that will um, address all these problems. But in the five years I've been with MCG, they've given me the opportunity to speak to the first year medical students periodically about the needs and help them understand sort of the disparities in health outcomes, uh, rural versus urban. And it's, you know, that's that's way too simple because even in urban environments, there are, sure. you know, zip code by zip code variation. Yep. You know, you look at Fulton County, North Fulton County looks nothing like South Fulton County in terms of, of health outcomes, poverty, or anything else. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the contrast between what's going on in the smaller communities around the state versus the urban areas is, is stark. And um, so let me talk about that and then let me kind of pitch the notion of what it's like to be um, providing care for people in a community yeah. like this. Um, Please. And it helps us attract students who are drawn to this kind of environment. Um, and occasionally some who are just curious. Yeah. I could see that. Now, we've identified there's a big need here. I want to talk a little bit personally, you know, you talked a little bit about growing up, some scouting, you know, having a realization as a young person that, it, you know, you had a sense that there was a sense of responsibility for others outside of you. You've made a career basically taking care of other people. Talk to me a little bit about how that kind of makes you feel and how the need to be of service has shaped your journey. Well, you know, there's a there are thousand old folksy sayings, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't necessarily apply. But the fact that the turtle didn't get on top of that post by himself, um, you know, is is one of those things that comes to mind. That's not usually the context that it's it's brought up in. But none of us got here by ourselves. We, we all got here because people helped us. Um, and um, it's. It's become um, important for me to make myself available, not just to the students who are here, part of my responsibility, but to the community. I mean, right now, um, 
we're in the middle of a four-week program that's hosted by the Sawiga AHEC, the Area Health Education Center, mm-hmm. um, based here in Albany. Um, they serve the Southwest region as well. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be on their board, but they're also a collaborative partner for us. They are in the middle of what is now, I want to say it's their 11th or 12th year, maybe. I might be wrong about that. It might be more of Pathways to Medical School, where they it's a, a cohort of 10 or 11 students. This year, it's 11 who want to go to medical school. They're at They've finished a certain amount of college preparation to get on the path to go to medical school. They have to apply. They've got to submit an essay. They've got, you know, it's a competitive process to get chosen for this. But they spend four weeks shadowing with physicians in the region, mostly here in Albany. Again, this is stuff that the physicians do just because they believe it's the right thing to do and to help mentor these kids along. They spend time with the family medicine residency. They learn sort of the basics of, you know, how to do a research project, how to evaluate something, study something, be able to present the findings. Uh, We teach them interview skills, uh, help them think about, you know, some of the technical skills. This afternoon we'll be doing um, a lab where we teach them how to take a basic history. We do some suturing skills. Because everybody loves to sew up chicken skin. <laughs> and uh, then um, we'll also teach them how to use an ultrasound. Very fundamental stuff. But to teach you. them, you know, these are the tools that we use now um, in, in providing medical care. And so we Hex program um, has a has an incredible track record um, over the years for the students who went through the program and applied to medical school when, when their time came. Over 90% get accepted. Oh, wow. And so I shared that little story with you to say, first of all, that's another great partner. It's something that's underappreciated here in the community for the work that they do. Um, But to say that it works, these are all kids from Southwest Georgia, 90% of the kids who come through that program. And we're fortunate to get to participate in that. My students, Dr. Desai and I will be involved today with that. Um, but those students start in Southwest Georgia, they'll go to medical school, almost all of them here in Georgia somewhere, at least half of them will train, do their residency somewhere in Georgia. And so when you start stacking those things up, the likelihood that they will come back to somewhere in Southwest Georgia to practice medicine, pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, so. So we've, we've got, we've got some students, I, I, we, we've got people here who are practicing in Albany and surrounding communities who did their residency here at Phoebe, they were MCG students before they did their residency and they were pathways to medical school participants before they went to medical school. You know, that's a small number, but when you see them, you say it works. That's pretty awesome though, to see, you know, that if you're a, a young person who has a passion for that and wants to help your community that there's a way to do that. Absolutely. There are pathways to do that. That's right. You know, and and I can't help but think, doctor, you know, you just rattled off of a good list of of wonderful, positive things going on in this community that's having an impact uh, beyond our borders. Yet I, we started a podcast a few years ago to combat all the negativity about the community. So I want to get your thoughts on, you know, 
not originally from here. You spent a lot of time here. You've left, come back, but you're also very involved in, in, I think, building the future. So talk to me a little bit about just the, the community in general and why community is such an important thing for us and for you. You know, this is this is where I start waxing philosophical like like anybody <laughs> who's got this much gray hair would do. Um, we spend so much time and energy focusing on things that divide us. That's not just Albany. It's it, it's our nation. It's around the world. And it is kind of. Yeah, I hate to I hate to default back to human nature, but there's a there's a human nature element that says, you know, um, it becomes a competitive thing. Mm-hmm. You know, your view. Yeah, you're entitled to your view, even if it's wrong. <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, it, it just just walking over here today, um, I saw a, a young mom unloading her child, actually two children into a twin stroller, a dog out of the back of the car to walk around the amazing walking track here out on the Meredith campus of Phoebe. It's a great thing. It creates a social network and stuff like that. But there are so many neighborhoods in Albany where you can't safely walk on your own street. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a challenge but it should never be something that divides us. It should, it should be one of those things that says, okay, well, what can we do? How do, how do we, you and I disagree philosophically on uh, many things politically or whatever, but let's work together to, to find some solutions. Um, you know, even in times of major crisis, and I'm not going to take a stand here one way or the other, but if you look at, you know, the, the controversies around gun violence, Mm -hmm. people tend to run to the polls. The fact that, the legislation that's pending right now in Congress is the first significant gun violence legislation in, in 30 years. Even though we've had all of these episodes suggest that the reason we can't make progress is that we just refuse to work with each other. If we, if we can't win, we don't want to be a part of it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, I think when it comes to issues in Albany, um, we've, we've got a, we've got a history that we have to acknowledge that, um, points to things that created divisions and we don't, we don't have to go around beating people in the head with that. We just need to acknowledge that it was part of the problem and set us up for this. But what do we do to go forward? Thank you. How do we take the efforts that we saw in this community in January, 2017, when we had back to back devastating storms? Um, how do we take those efforts where we saw people really, truly coming together and, and sustain those? Um, you know, people, I, I look at, uh, speaking of walking, I, I think about the, um, the rails to trails and the riverfront trail and stuff like that. The, the progress that's been made on that, it's taken forever, but it's significant. Mm-hmm. And, and we should celebrate that. And, and yeah, there's still some challenges out there and there's some access issues and funding issues and all those sorts of things, but we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be trashing the effort because it's taking a long time to get there. We should be celebrating the fact that we've made a difference. Let's keep going. Let's look at the resources we've got here in the community. Um, we've got the, the, uh, Alliance now downtown that's got Chihaw, the river aquarium mm-hmm. and, uh, Thronatiska all working together now to say 
it, you know, this, this, this ain't six flags. This is not going to be a tourist <laughs> Mecca, but look what a great resource it is for our own community Absolutely. for people in the region to be able to access these things. And yeah, people actually do travel here. Yes, they do to see those things um, and to be a part of that. So let's put, let's put our best foot forward. Let's focus on some of the stuff. That, another one of your, your previous guests on here, Thermal Adams Johnson, um, what an incredible opportunity we have to use her work with Albany Community together to help build up existing businesses that are struggling in, yep. in difficult settings. People who come from difficult backgrounds with not enough training and not enough education, and clearly not enough financial backing. Uh, let's take what Thelma does um, and build up existing business and start new ones, you know, in some of these communities. Cause we all know that if you build up the local economy mm -hmm. from the bottom up in some of these most challenging areas, the, it'll change the neighborhood and it'll change the lives of people who live in those neighborhoods. So let's no doubt let's rally around those things and, um, and try and, you know, I gosh, I don't want us all to agree on everything. Oh, that'd be boring. That would be boring. And it's not productive. No, but let's figure out ways if we're gonna, if we're gonna have disagreements, let's figure out ways to do it agreeably and, um, and move, move the agenda forward. Let's, uh, I, I don't know. I mentioned this to somebody the other day, and I, it, it sounds like something Andy Stanley would have said, but it's one thing to make a point, but it's another thing entirely to make a difference. Ooh, I like that. And so let's let's quit trying to win Yeah, for our own selves, and let's try and win together. Yeah. We don't always have to be right. That's correct. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, uh, Dr. Patton, you know, we've covered a lot of the ground that I was hoping to touch on today. And plus, I don't want to keep you all day. But is there anything, you know, just a, a, something on your heart, a passion you have, something you just really want to share with the listeners or with the community that I can give you a little bit of a platform for? You know, there there are so many things and we have we've we've covered the waterfront and you've you've given me a great opportunity to just kind of freestyle it here today. So thank you for that. Well, that's what the listeners really want. They, um, they hear plenty of me. The you know, when I when I think about the organizations that I've been a part of here, um, you know, I, my own practice in Cordial, the relationship with Chris Regional Hospital, um, my time here with Phoebe Putney and the health, the great his health system that it is here in the region. And gosh, when you think about what they went through with the pandemic, how they've emerged and continued to grow. I mean, they've kept their eye on the future while dealing with the tsunami of the present. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not just the leadership there. It's, and it's not just the boards. Um, it's, when I think about all of that, I think about my relationship with Sawiga AHEC. I'm blessed to serve on their board. I think about uh, Albany Area Primary Healthcare, the largest, uh, one of the largest community health centers in the state, and how they've been able to grow their services and provide those services in places where no one would go before. Yeah, I mean they're one of the first um, first entities in the state of Georgia to institute school-based health oh, centers. Know. So that students, particularly in low-income environments, can get health care right there in the school. It, it also helps the teachers, by the way. So the yeah. teachers don't have to take off a half a day to go to the doctor's office. Yeah. They can be seen right there. Uh, for, 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 you know, not to do chronic care, but to for something that would keep them able to stay in the, in the classroom. 
I, you know, I, I've just been so blessed to be a part of all of these great organizations. And, and when I get to see them working together on stuff, it's really rewarding. Um, and, and so when I get the opportunity to have students come down here and see that, I hope that what we're doing with MCG and the regional campuses in partnership with all these people is creating a vision for these students of, of, of how they could practice medicine the best they can. Not necessarily make the most money. I don't know a doctor who's really struggling financially. If they are, <laughs> they just made bad choices. <laughs> but it's a good living. You can make a lot more money in a lot of other places, but you can come here, you can make a good living, you can serve the community, and you can be happy. And, and I think as we deal with nurse burnout, doctor burnout, rad tech burnout, administrator burnout, all these other things in healthcare. When I see what's available here in a community like Albany or even the smaller community, especially in the smaller communities around here, I just think that's the antidote. That's the antidote for burnout. Yeah. Um, and it all boils down to one last time relationships. Amen, brother. That's just, that's, that's the number one thing. Yep. As we like to say around here at ABNT, the future relies on relationships. Ah, well, there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> well, Dr. Pat, thank you so much for taking the time to come in today. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, chewing the fat with you, and I can understand why so many folks had told me uh, that you were somebody I needed to get to know a little bit better. So appreciate you. I know the listeners of Beyond the Banker are glad to have uh, gotten to spend a little time with you today. Well, that wraps up this episode of Beyond the Bank. We'll be back next time. I'm Brad. Oh,